Here comes them ranking the Beatles again. Down, down, da, down, da, down, down, down. And soon our listeners will be falling like rain. Down, 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 down. It always seems to be a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. I heard that song in a commercial the other day, and it's been in my head. Yeah, it's a jam. For a while. It's a jam. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to. Uh, episode number 60, the big six zero of ranking the Beatles. So glad you're all here. How's everybody doing this week? Julia, how are you this week so far? I'm good. Things are good in Julia land. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Good. Things are doing okay here. Uh, it's just another week as you know, sometimes we don't always record our intro, uh, the same time we do the episode. This is another episode that we taped, uh, I think this was the first one back that we did yes. after the storm. Yes. Yeah. So we did a bunch of stuff. We got back. We taped today's episode. And uh, now here we are just a little bit later. We're getting the intro for it. It's a little how you make the sausage there. But I'm glad we're doing this uh, this episode like this because in hindsight now from when we recorded it, we now have the Let It Be box set. Oh. Which, as you know, is all that we've been listening to. In this house for the last week. Yes. Or two. That's it. However long it's been. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But glad to uh, talk about a song from that uh, that box set today, that beautiful box set. A lot of people have some gripes, a lot of gripes, as per usual, but... They could just not buy it. You could just not buy it. Mm. You can't please everybody all the time, they say. Absolutely not. Well, that's okay. I like it. I'm glad we got it. So... Me too. That's all I'm going to say about it. Anywho, You're certainly gang, getting your money's worth. Oh, you know, for <laughs> sure. Um, and we still got the Get It Back film coming out soon. <gasps> yes. And I'm sure there will be an accompanying soundtrack for that mm. as well, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Give me that rooftop show on vinyl or just, you know, released in some form. And it's, and it's completion would be swell. I'm excited to watch that with you. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Might have a little watching party, a little viewing party with some friends. Yeah. Watch it all together and nerd out about different things. Are you excited about that? <laughs> the crickets. Yes. The crickets. Yes. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. It'll be nice because I don't know everything that you know, so it's always nice to have people around that do know as much as you know that you can like talk about it with sure and not feel like you have to explain every little thing sure but i guess it will be very informational it should be very whole, informative yeah i would Infor- think. did i say informational informational <laughs> yeah i quit can you it's cut okay. that out it's a, oh no i'm leaving it no please cut Warts it Words and all just like let it be this is us with our pants off as they say i'm sure it will be very informative educational so, educational yeah. yeah so i'll probably learn a lot so maybe Maybe I will be able to participate in a conversation if we watch it with friends. Oh, you will. You know stuff now. You've been <laughs> learning things. You're going to do great. I pick up a thing or two here and there. You're going to do great. Well, I'm excited for this week's episode, friends. Uh, as I've mentioned before, when we, uh, when we thought we had the brilliant, unused idea to start a podcast ranking the Beatles, lo and behold, 
several started uh, during the pandemic, as uh, we've often talked about. There's ourselves, uh, there's our friends, the Blotto Beatles, mm-hmm. and there's another one, a couple of brothers over in the UK uh, have one called the Big Beatles Sword Out. And I think they actually started a little bit before us. I think they started in like 2019, but we're all kind of in that same like third wave of of Beatle podcasts. And they do theirs <clears throat> a little the bit noobs. differently. Yeah, the noobs. <laughs> uh, they do theirs a little differently than ours. They have a, a numbering system, a, a mathematical uh, system that they base everything on, which makes me feel like my ranking is just, you know, bubblegum and duct tape. It is. It kind of is. It is. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to uh, discussing how they come up with these rankings for them, how they uh, devise the numeric system with uh, that they use. And uh, so I think it's going to be a good time. In fact, I know it's going to be a good time because we had the conversation already. Yes. So, <laughs> so with that in mind, let's get to it, shall we? Friends, please welcome this week to the show, Gary and Paul Abbott from the Big Beatles Sort Out. Paul and Gary, welcome to the Ranking the Beatles. How are you guys? Good, thanks. Very well. Yeah, it's lovely to be here. Wonderful. So thanks glad to, uh, to have you all on here. It's so fun. You know, I feel like there was this amazing moment of time in my head where I'm like, we're starting this thing where we're ranking all the Beatles. No one's ever done this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, within like a month, I was like, wait, there's so many more people doing the same thing. <laughs> but um, yeah. I lo- we're, we're all coming from, from different angles, which I think is, is super fun. I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, I wanted to ask you all before we get into it, uh, just for listeners that are on our side that may not have heard uh, Big Beetle start out, let's get a little bit of back history here. First, I know you guys are brothers. So there's always a fun dynamic with brothers. Having a brother myself, uh, when you collaborate together, it's always, you know, a fun uh, or or at least interesting uh, event. Um, yeah, so... go with interesting. We can. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Fun, fun and interesting. Uh, so, which one of the two of you are the older brother? That's me, the man with the grizzled wipes in his beard. <laughs> And by by how by how much? I'm three years older than Gary. Okay, okay. So with, with that in mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess I'm gonna assume that you probably encountered the Beatles first. Like, how did the Beatles enter your two lives collectively? Uh, you know, as as brothers. You know, where does that come into play for the two of you? Uh, I think you're probably right that I would have been first to become obsessed with them, the first to experience them through our things lying around in our parents record collection so uh, my parents our parents even sorry gary <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey yours some too you know yeah i hope so <laughs> um, they they were uh, they're music fans but not like collectors it's not like we had shelves and shelves and shelves of records or anything like that but we did have a bunch of tapes and a bit uh, a load of folk music a load of sort of bits few little bits of 70s sort of stuff um but then there was some beatles stuffed inside these you know the little rack of records that they'd bought i think in germany when they were stationed there when they because they were both in the army mm-hmm. and so these were like the the odeon releases of um rubber soul revolver uh, and then there was a couple of other things and then a load of stuff on cassette because we're of the generation we have cassette generation growing up for the right. beatles <laughs> really uh we didn't get a 
CD player in the house until the 90s. So it was all cassette all, all the way for a long time. But that included, so we had like the 70s cassettes that my, our parents had got of like Pepper and what else had we got? Oh, the Hey Jude compilation, which wasn't very common in the yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So that was a, a weird selection of stuff. And then I'd started, as I started getting sort of into the music, I'd started collecting them as well on, on cassette. And also then getting the videos of the complete Beatles documentary, mm-hmm. um, which sort of was everywhere until it suddenly vanished right. in the early nineties, <laughs> you know, till Apple sort of tucked it away and no one could see it. And and help as well, which I watched over and over and over and over again. So Gary, by virtue of being three years younger than me and being <laughs> hanging around me, I suppose, was just absorbing it all at the same time. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't have, I probably didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't remember um, the start of it because it, it predates me remembering anything really other than we always listened to the Beatles and watched the videos and you know, had the sheet music because we had a piano in the house and Paul, you know. So it's just, it's just always been there. I mm-hmm. can't remember a first discovery because it was probably Paul's and then I just just emerged into it, you know. Yeah. As, what, a, as, a, as a toddler. Was there a, a place where you both found yourselves really diving in in kind of the hardcore, you know, reading the books and, you know, starting to collect things like... Where did you find yourself kind of going in, like into the deep end of the pool? Well, Paul, if Paul will be first with that, and Paul is still much deeper in the deep end of the pool than I've ever been, mm. um, which is part of the di- the dynamic of, of the show. Is I love the Beatles, and they are by far my favorite band and a huge influence on me. But I've I haven't got a collector mentality. I've not got a collector personality, so I I I, I like them. I'm quite content to have the CDs or some of the vinyls and things, but I don't actively go after too much of the stuff although not just because i just don't i'm just not like that was paul always has more than i have so kind of a, by proxy i've kind of picked up on some of that stuff but what you you've always seemed to have had the books and i'm yeah. like, when did you start kind of going outside what mum and dad had well they didn't I, they didn't have anything except those you know those few records and the tapes and then i you know they when they well, I started getting interesting like the complete beatles is actually a strange way to get introduced to the sort of the history of the band so the thing that i learned from was the complete beatles vhs mm. uh, which is one of the weirdest documentaries it's quite bleak mm-hmm. you know it opens with this black and white footage of liverpool that makes it look well to be honest it did look for a long time like a terrifying post-war nightmare because it was that's you know but that's like uh, and out of this emerged for you know all that stuff um that and then we had a copy of of shout the philip norman book which was the only Beatles book I read for ages, and I know I know now is not very well thought of. Uh, but yeah, they used. I, I suppose it's because I started showing interest in things, people started buying me stuff as presents, mm-hmm. and I was a, a big reader, so any Beatles books would come my way, and I was always gratefully received, and I would read and read and read and reread and reread and reread and and so on. So it just starts you off, doesn't it? And then you get a bit older, you start to sort of make your own decisions once you've perhaps got a little bit of. of pocket money and then you've got some of your own money and things like that and then you like an idiot you move to liverpool and you find yourself surrounded by stuff <laughs> i like how you look at me like and and then you have a job and you have actual money and then you don't tell me that you buy these things yeah. yep <laughs> and then some of these packages just appear and i'm like oh what's this and you're like oh it's a beatles thing don't worry about it and then you disappear <laughs> it's another reissue it's another box set it's another book yeah <laughs> yeah 
so you know where at, you know i guess as, as brothers i'm curious then because you you host this show together but i want to know mm. where do your tastes diverge like Ooh. where do your musical compatibilities completely go on on the departure from each other so I'm, I'm not entirely sure they ever will they they do ever completely diverge the, the thing that got me more into well not yeah really involved in the Beatles rather than just being a passing thing via Paul mm-hmm. was as teenagers, we both, uh, well, we'd, we'd always, Paul had always gravitated towards music and I started to as well. And basically he made me be the bass player so that we could start playing Beatles songs. So that's how, <laughs> I, you know, so we both learned, we both kind of come through uh, the, the Beatles as a way into music and writing music and playing and performing music. I, I, where do, where would it diverge? I, don't I, don't, I think we have got very similar tastes, haven't we? It's just about the level of yeah. intensity. Um, I don't I, think I there's don't... anything that you like particularly, even outside of the Beatles, that I... Uh, no. I don't know. You sometimes call me a snob because I tell you off for stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think I, about, yeah. like, my, my brother is, like, super into, like, hardcore music, and I have zero right. interest for that. Um, yeah. you know, he's He goes very extreme in one way, and I'll go the very opposite extreme in terms of like pop, pop music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, mm. so we're on opposite pages, but then there's a lot of stuff where we're right up the middle on the same road for the same kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've got a big, we, we, I mean, it's been a huge part of our relationship being into the same kind of music and having a similar kind of taste, haven't we? I think it just, yeah. we just do. Um, I mean, I've done more work in electronic music. But that was just the kind of circumstances, really, and it's, and it's not that you that you don't dislike anything electronic, do you? And I not particularly, no. But no. I spend most of my time, do, you know. But then, yeah, you've never been particularly into sort of uh, the side of punk and indie that I've involved. Not, in. No, I'm not. I mean, you because the Liverpool scene. This is the whole thing about having a collector's mind and also a, a fanatic's mind. You have the kind of a uh, the, the all the networks of bands and very small bands, and you know all the, the, the popular music history in your head. And I just don't have a brain for that kind of thing. I like the things you give me. Most of my musical taste, to be fair, Paul has just passed me as a birthday present. You know, here's a, <laughs> here's a Fountains of Wayne CD. Here's a Lemonhead CD. You know, and I've just gone, yeah, that sounds good. Great. I'll put that on. And, and I like it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've, I've probably just been a bit lazy musically because I've always known I've got someone who can just kind of go, listen to this, you'll like it. And I've been, yeah, I do. So that's, <laughs> that's that makes That makes it easy, <laughs> you know. But For no, sure. we don't. We don't have a big point of divergence. Uh, not that. I, not that I can think of, anyway. Interesting. Uh, I think that's very much like you and I. Like you're very good about like seeking out new music, mm-hmm. and you like filter out the things that you'll think I like. You're yeah. like, I'm like, oh, what do you listen to? And you're like, blah blah blah. And I'm like, what I like it. And you're like, come in it. But then there's some stuff where you're like, I'm gonna put this on for you. Listen to this, you'll enjoy it. And I yeah. don't really do. I mean, we've been together for a long time. You generally know my taste True. pretty well yeah. by this point. Um, I was kind of hoping to get like some epic like clash of the brotherly titans of like <laughs> Gary's yeah. a huge Blur fan and Paul's a huge Oasis fan. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're both no. we're both huge Blur, Blur fans. Blur fans. <laughs> That's so funny. Love it. Love so it. Although although at the fan. time at the time when the uh, the Britpop war was going on, I say that with you know speech marks around sure. it because it was you know some of the best uh, marketing I, ever the, conceived. <laughs> Absolutely, mm. yeah. I did buy Oasis stuff because it was I was learning electric guitar, and it's like, well, with Oasis, the electric guitar is sort of more obvious and accessible mm-hmm. because it's big, it's chunky, strummed rock yeah, chords. Yeah. 
And but then as you start listening to Blur, I sort of like I like prefer the songwriting on this. And then you hear Graham Coxon's guitar style and go, oh, that's something different. That's very different. Yeah. Yeah, and then so Blur became my thing, and I threw all my Oasis records into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so that's it. I still liked Oasis a bit, but I, pre- I prefer Blur massively. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind the first couple of Oasis albums, but um, at school it started to become a bit of a Blur Oasis thing, and it was as far as choosing sides, it was most definitely Blur. Yeah. But I haven't been able yeah. to convince Paul because Blur are my second favorite band. It's just all the B bands I like bands that me. <laughs> but. Uh, I haven't been able to convince Paul to, to start a big blur sort out. I do think that could be a project down the road. But, That'd be um, interesting. Uh, you're not quite as well read on them, are you, Paul? So now I, I, I uh, need an expert. Well, because it, yeah, you'd have to find someone else for that, I'm afraid. You know, there's not enough books. And I haven't, I haven't spent the past 40-odd years reading about them or whatever. Yeah. Are the, there a lot of blur podcasts? I've never even I don't know. Of- I've not looked. Yeah. I don't. I, I've not seen any, but I've not looked. To be fair, I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least one. Yeah, like, there's a couple of Oasis yeah, podcasts, but I bet there's a good Blur podcast out there. Someone's got to be. Talking. And you know, even as 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 an, as an American, you know, I grew up aware of the Oasis versus Blur thing, but it was like a hundred percent Team Oasis. And it wasn't until like in my thirties oh. <laughs> when I finally like started diving into Blur's catalog, aside from just like the singles that I knew, and it was like, oh wow, mm. this is really really good i've missed yeah. a lot i have to catch up on all this <laughs> um and now like damon albarn just does weird stuff in iceland like and makes really interesting music now so yeah he's he just all sorts doesn't he and uh, I, I always liked albarn and blur because it reminded me of the beatles because every album was the development yeah. I, I found oasis repeated a formula and blur went what next okay we'll go we'll make it kind of american folky or will go heavily electronic and weird. And they just kept on trying different things. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of the, the, the Beatles trajectory as right. far as creatively. Correct. Yeah. I think that, I think they have parallels, even though they're not a very directly linked band influence wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have a, par- a very kind of interesting parallel in the way that they, they developed. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the big Beatles sort out a little bit before we get into the song this week. Um, so, you know, I want to know obviously like what spurred on, coming up with the show, but I'm also really interested because you guys rate songs with a numeric rating, which I find so interesting because mine is purely based on like, how much more do I like this one than this one? And there's no number on it. It's just like, it was like a couple of days of just like gut check, you know, thinking like, would I rather listen to, you know, Martha, my dear or honey pie, like which one, you know, just kind of going down the list. Yeah. So I'm curious as to how, the numeric system works for y'all because I find that really, really interesting, and I almost feel like I'm doing mine wrong when I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> like I've done so, this all wrong. <laughs> well, having kind of completed our kind of first series, which is the core catalogue, and we've kind of got the results are in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to say that there is a right or wrong way to do it. I think your way is probably as valid, if not, if not subjectively, <laughs> subjectively more valid than mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's kind of something I wanted to do and approach Paul about. My day job is analytics and, you know, data and all that kind of thing, which I do for a charity and a housing association. Um, so I think in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like we spoke about a bit already about me not having the uh, the, the collector's brain, the fanatical brain. I, I, if someone asked me for a top 10, I one can't remember the songs and have to write them down to kind of, sense check and two i'd think how would i know really without 
I know you can sit there and go, which one we like, but I, I find that hard to do. So I, I did want to see if it was possible to subjectively rate the songs, mm-hmm. um, literally into subjects, give them a score. I mean, obviously, then you have to be, I'm saying subjective, I meant objectively, and then you have to be subjective about the score, but trying to say, well, you know, is this production better on this one than the other one? You can kind of look objectively at the, you know, the number of instruments, how well it comes across, if it's balanced nicely. So I was going to split it into a lot of categories and Paul um, quite rightly parred me back whilst we were developing the idea for the show. It's like, well, um, just keep it as a, a few. So we, we, we hit on the, the key um, categories of lyrics, music and production, mm-hmm. um, which, which gives is us... a flawed system as the entire yeah. system is. Yeah. Because <laughs> the moment you come into the cover versions that they do, which are such a big part of the catalogue, especially the early catalogue, You've you've got a system where they didn't write the lyrics, so what are you judging it on? Right. Yeah. So I yeah. Des- I decided, to, but then I thought that worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is part of the conflict at the at the heart of the show. This is where we. <laughs> this is where the, the conflict. <laughs> this is this is where the brotherly differences come. Paul would never try and make a, a list of his top ten, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. So the conflict of why, if this should even be done, was there from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, which we believe people quite like. Um, yeah. But the. Uh, I forgot my point now. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I went off but on you, one. You, you came oh, the, the covers, those... the covers. Sorry, yeah, yeah. the covers, Paul. The, the, I decided to give them zero for lyrics because um, for me, I, I was interested in scoring the Beatles songs, not just as recordings, but as, also as compositions. And obviously the covers aren't their compositions, so I almost didn't want to do them at all. Mm-hmm. Kind of wanted to... Mad! I well, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it's never... It's never sat quite right. Um, but I thought if I don't score the lyrics, because it is a bit weird because they didn't write them, so why do they deserve points for them? If I don't score the lyrics, they will fall lower in the charts just naturally, which to me felt right because I'm more interested in their songwriting. Mm-hmm. But not all covers are at the very... They're not just all at the bottom. Actually, even with some of them not scoring lyrics, they've scored higher than some of the originals. Some of the originals, Okay because of just the way it's worked out. So then I average the three and we, we get the average um, and the average gives us its, its ranking. And after the whole catalogue, there was a tiny little bit of adjustment here and there to make it, we started getting a couple of um, joint rankings and things. I had to kind of say, well, okay, th- this is where I had to go. I like that one more than that one. So that one goes above it. And then I was able to look at the old results and look at it and go, well, more or less. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing has been an exercise in futility. <laughs> As all good podcasts should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I podcast? Let's make a podcast. <laughs> so, like, so when you're when you're rating a song, like, once you, I guess I'm thinking, you know, as you when you deduct points from something, like, mm. prime example being actually, like, let's take the song something. If you give, okay. <laughs> if you give, you know, if you take 15 points off of the musicality of something, what is that compare? Is that just objectively like in your head? Like, I think this yeah. would have been better in X, Y, Z way. Like, how does that come through? Because that's something that I feel like I don't know that I could ever. And maybe it's that I handle the music with such, like, kid gloves. Uh, I don't know mm. that I can, like, always take points away from something like that. Like, I can tell you if something's awful. Like, the keyboard solo or the organ solo of Mr. Moonlight, minus 50 points. Throw that in the bin. That's yeah. terrible. But I, that's hard to do on, like, something that's like a – an unimpeachable classic. Like, I don't know that I can take points off of something like that. But then you, 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 you 
I guess this then this is the thing that uncovers uh, trying to do an exercise of this like this uncovers things like that because even though Paul made it very clear from the beginning that he doesn't think any of this is is is, is a valid thing to do although he's in, in happy to go on the journey what you do realize is you do start having some favorites there are things that you like more than I so like you said although Mr Moonlight for example you can very clearly define a part of it which I agree with entirely by the way um about a really weird Hammond solo in the, in the middle you could perhaps deduct five for that that kind of um unidentifiable something about a song does get evaluated somewhere in your mind even if you can't put your finger on it so splitting it down into categories at least I could say okay this one the production does let it down a little bit musically it, that was the most subjective of the categories and I nearly I was going to have a fourth category which Paul again talked me out of which was going to be I couldn't think of the right word for it more than the sum of its parts mm-hmm. so yeah okay you could look at it and say okay there's nothing wrong with the music of this one but it's not particularly advanced so I'm going to give it a, you know 75 say there's nothing wrong with the production but it's there's not much to produce so I'm going to put that you know but actually when you put it all together there's something better about it but then I would have been in danger of pretty much just overriding my own scores uh, and I think that there's something about stats as a staty kind of person, a, d- a datary kind of person that I also thought people would like to see, follow along on that spreadsheet and see when I've, I mean, I even got into points of a point, you know, decimal points, because what <laughs> happened was I didn't really know. I had an idea in my mind what my favorite song was. And I thought, how does it rate on my scale towards that's a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, not, I didn't want to suppose it was, but if that is what I think the best Beatles song is and where, where, and these ones are my middling ones. And, I had a few yardstick songs that I thought that's probably a 50 for me and that's probably a zero. Well, not a zero. Nothing got zero, but, um, and that's probably a hundred. I could kind of put it in the bracket, but what I found myself doing is creating narrower and narrower margins until I was like, okay, that one's 76.4 because that's definitely a bit better than that one, but I've already done one that I've put in a 77, which it's not as good as. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did. Absolute it did get... madness. <laughs> The more, I, the more I talk about it, the more it unravels. But it, we managed to get to the end of it. And I do think the shape of the um, chart isn't that bad, actually. It, it, it's, I definitely think the top 20 is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a lot of ones in the middle that could be swapped. And also, it's a scale of good to amazing in my mind. There's no, there is no bad. There's just, there's just um, the ones I like more, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that. Did you do you feel like the, the the bottom end of your chart is is, is anything you would say is is bad as such, or just that it's just not as good as the, the other stuff? On ours, um, I mean, there are certain things in our in our chart that I know are um, what's the word I'm looking for that I know are a bit uh, surprising to some people, like. The long and winding road. I'm looking at that mm. purely subjectively in that, like, or I'm sorry, objectively. I just, or is it subjectively? I can't remember. And that I just don't care for the song. Like, I just think it's kind of whiny. Um, <laughs> okay. But, oh, I see. Yeah, you've got it really low. <laughs> right. But then, I, but then I will, some people will also be shocked that I have, um, what's the new Mary Jane, way, like, ranked way higher than I do long and winding road. I think long and winding road is, like, too... 15 or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, and right. what's the new Mary Jane no is like 30 songs in. Yeah. I have no words. Um, you know, I just find that more <laughs> intriguing and interesting. Um, as far I don't know that there are things that I think are completely bad in the catalog. Mm. Uh, there are songs that maybe 
haven't aged well. Um, you know, lyrically, there's a couple that, like, you know, yeah. that yeah. don't age well and that don't reflect well on them. Um, but also, that's a product of time and upbringing and a much different conversation. Um, yeah. But I'm hesitant to ever say that there's a purely bad song in the catalog. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't think that there, there, there is, is there? There's just ones that no. aren't as realized, that aren't as, aren't as accomplished. Um, and like you say, maybe a bit problematic or just undeveloped, but n- yeah. not nothing. So I've always approached it with, um, from a scoring point of view, that it, as long as it's always come pretty, pretty good, to be honest, some of the worst stuff is some better than most people's good stuff to some of the, be- well, the best music ever made. Then right. You can't, it's all good, isn't it? Like, <laughs> so like there are some bad Rolling Stone songs. Like there are some that are right. just bad. Uh, <laughs> even like the worst of the, like I would rather hear, uh, Mr. Moonlight over like a really bad Rolling Stone song. Yeah, it's it is it is a tricky one to to, to do, and you, you've got to be yeah. If you start expanding out the notion, it gets it's tricky. But it, it's all personal, and I think that's the that's the yeah. key thing here. That when we're not trying to say, and, and neither are you, you you're not at all. Is we're not trying to say this is the list. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> this is this is my yeah. This is my list. It's, this is your list. And yeah. this is it's not even my list. This is Gary's list. You know, yeah. with my with my involvement, you know, just there sighing and telling him facts, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, that's it. And I've, that's been, a, it's been a joyful exercise to do um, daft as it is because it's personal, no matter what, no matter how you measure it and how you break it down, whether it's detailed or it's, you know, sort of broad, mm-hmm. it's, it's personal stuff. And that's the joy of music. And people like those conversations. These are the conversations that, people were having in the pub yeah you know these are the same conversations i've been having with my friends over you know the past 20 odd years since we all met at university it's like oh we're going to talk about today oh we're talking about music again we're talking about books again um just so happens that a pandemic comes along you can't talk about it in the pub anymore so you end up up doing it on a podcast with your brother (laughs) or your wife or your, or your wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's literally what happened. Yeah. Like he was bored, like in the very beginning, like when we were in like lockdown, lockdown. And he's like, I'm just going to make this. List. I don't know what else to do with my time. I was like, OK, I'm going to go watch garbage TV. Have fun with that. <laughs> and then it became Facebook discussions and then became a podcast. Yeah. That was just the the little path for for our little baby podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have there been any songs that surprised y'all where they landed? Mm. I'm the, just looking the, at the chart here. It's probably, the, I, I'm just probably angry about some of them. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of <laughs> Nearly well, all of them surprised Paul every time I gave him the score. Oh. Which, yeah. which one ha- where do you, you just have like the most visceral reaction to? I think, I'll tell you what I think was a bit odd is I think uh, I love the word. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, and that we, ended up yeah. somewhere, and I think it's quite low on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think it's an absolute groove. I think it's brilliant. Um, and I'm also keen on, you know, simple messages sometimes, and and that's about as simple as they ever got. Sure. You know, yeah. What what advances into all you need is love and all that sort of thread in their in their in their songs. Yeah. I it, I've always had a massive sort of uh, soft spot for that. But I also uh, the other thing that shocked me was things like. Um, you won't see me is a song which I love until I started looking at it closely, and it's like, oh, this 
just slows down a bit. Mm-hmm. What they lose the energy, and they rarely lose energy in their songs. And so you start to notice that, and you think, well, I, I would have put that up quite high, but then it's like, well, no, actually, it's just yeah, that was yeah. So it was one of a couple of odd, odd moments for me, but yeah, I think the word was the one where you sort of rated it, Gary, and I was like, oh, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, then when we went on holiday this year, you kept on playing it on the iPod and the. Uh... <laughs> in the holiday house and i started liking it more because i was hearing it more often um you you weren't particularly happy with the, my rate so I, you know because of my scoring system the early songs tended to suffer because of just the production and the, yeah. the lyrics um and the music just naturally and i think this is fine myself because i think they would have thought it's fine because they wanted to develop and get better was just more straightforward, more, you know, uh, less developed. They, they were less developed at the beginning than they were at the end, as you would expect of anything. Mm-hmm. So I think naturally some of the early songs, even though as classic as they are, the She Loves You's and things like that, they, they scored highly comparatively, but not really, really high, because when it came to um, what they came, went on to do, I just couldn't, I couldn't not have a room in my top 20 for the things they kind of got to later that in my book, were them were built on the, the foundations of that kind of music for sure but you're you're really yeah. you love your classics don't you especially Paul well so. I, t- I think the, the thing that most annoyed me and it will remain annoying is like um Kansas City hey 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 being really low where I think it's one of the greatest rock and roll vocal performances of all time I'm with you and it should be yeah. it should be up really really high but it, it just the system doesn't allow it it's no, so yeah, annoying. No, it can't be it no yeah, it's 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 high on the on the chart on the covers chart if you just take the covers out, but it's yeah it's low. <laughs> I think some of the ones that ended up at the top surprised me quite a lot. Um, George's do, stuff, which is yeah, George is really kind really of relevant. High up. It's, it's, yeah. it didn't end up in the order in the way I thought it would because mm-hmm. like I think you'd naturally assume without thinking that something is going to be the top George song, and actually I think for us the top George song was Within You Without You. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Got got into my top ten, which I was not expecting because, as a young when I was younger, I used to skip it. Like I think some people would, and I just do think, oh, it's this kind of long, boring, droney one. When I was a teenager, stupid teenager, <laughs> but um, coming as over the years, I've, I've appreciated it a lot more. And by forensically listening to it and examining it for the podcast, when I put the scores in, it's like, no, it's it's one of the best songs I did. <laughs> you know, wild. for me, for you know, um, because it's produced so well, it's beautiful music the players in it are brilliant mm-hmm. it's got great lyrics absolutely transcendent lyrics yeah so um so actually when you put all those things together and put them to the scores in it's up there and why shouldn't it be it's on you know one of the best albums ever made so. yeah i can tell I, I can totally see that because i feel like that's one of those songs that um it surprises me how great it actually is when you sit down and really you know listen to it um, it's, mm. it's like, it's such a home run, but because it's a completely different genre than what, what, you know, the band normally does, it seems like such an outlier. Um, you know, I mm. got, I got taken to task pretty hard, uh, for love you too. I had that, I have that pretty low. I want to say that was yeah. like the third or fourth, maybe I can't remember. Um, Oh, you've got it down at 219, according to yep. this uh, in front yeah. of me here. Yeah. So that is low. I have the very low. Mm. There's something about the, I think it may just be like the recording of the song itself. Just, it just hits a frequency in my ear that I just don't like it. Um, so it, it's a big, big miss for me. But then a year later, you know, Within You Without You is like the same batter at the plate 
hits a home run. Yeah. You know, like this yeah. is like that is what I want from what he's trying to do on Love You Too. So I completely can agree with you on that particular song. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it definitely feels like he was a, a proto within you without you, Love You Too, doesn't it? It's it's not it's it's good, but it's not there yet. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it all comes it all comes together on within you without you. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't. Remember. I'm trying to think, find where I put love you to. I can't find it. I know. I really want to compare our lists. Right. Well, I, I was trying to find yeah, like a full your list, list not our list, your list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got love you to at, at 96. Um, oh wow! Yeah. And I remember it, it being yeah, and I I I I, I quite like it. Um, uh, but obviously, it's that's kind of middle ground, isn't it? Really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, uh, it's not far away from Blue Jay Way as well. Another one, which is another one of George's kind of. It's all in a similar vein, isn't it? When those those ones of George's are all working towards something in in a similar. But yeah, yeah, definitely within you without you. Yeah. A big big surprise. Big surprise for me. Well, why don't let's go ahead and keep the conversation on George and shift gears over to this week's uh, song of the week, shall we? And I'm excited because uh, this episode is coming out shortly after the release of the Let It Be uh, box set. So everyone will have this song fresh in their heads again. Uh, Coming in this week at number 157 is For You Blue. gathered at the Twickenham soundstage in early January to begin their new project, the main directive at hand was a return to a live band in the studio feel, wanting minimal to no overdubs, just the sound of the band live on tape. As such, the songs needed to fit that particular ideal. Now, George had just returned from spending time in upstate New York with Bob Dylan and the band, who were nothing if not earthy roots, folk, and rock and rollers uh, at this point, and the environment seemed to have kind of rubbed off on George. Uh, in the early days of the project, he offered up for consideration a handful of songs such as All Things Must Pass, Hear Me Lord, I Me Mine, and Let It Down, just to name a few that you may have heard of, uh, as well as a bluesy acoustic-based number he was calling For You Blues, uh, parentheses, Because You're Sweet and Lovely. Now, as the first week or so of the project went on, tensions famously arose, especially coming from George, who felt like he was tired of playing second fiddle, especially after spending time with Dylan, the band, Clapton, and others, who were telling him that his songwriting was now on par with his bandmates. So on January 10th, as everyone probably knows, George walks out of the sessions and the Beatles. Uh, After several days of stalemate and discussion, he agrees to return to the sessions, but takes all of his songs out of consideration for the project, with the exception of For You Blue. And as you mentioned earlier today, this morning, um, I Me Mine ends up on the record, but that gets re-recorded later because the uh, director wants to put it into the film. 
So side trivia. Well played. Thank you for including that because I was like reading this and I was like, wait, wasn't I Me Mine on this record? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very confused. Yeah. Uh, so on January 25th, uh, the band record the master take in uh, the uh, sorry, on January twenty fifth. The band record the master track in six takes. Uh, though the band feeling that they're getting along well, they're gelling on the song. They do another further. Uh, they do a further six takes just to see if they can better it. Uh, however, they stick with take six. Uh, the track features George on acoustic guitar, Ringo on drums, of course, and Paul at the behest of George to get a quote bad honky tonk sound plays a piano that they've woven papered through the strings on, uh, and John plays a lap steel guitar throughout using either uh, the slide that came with the lap steel or a lighter or maybe a shotgun shell. There seems to be a lot of discrepancy as to what he actually used on it. Um, a final mix is prepared in March of 69 by Glenn Johns, but that album is, of course, rejected and shelved along with the entire project until January 1970 when Phil Spector is brought in to finish the project up George then decides to redo his vocal in January of 1970. Um, so the vocal you hear is January of 70. The track is January of 69. Uh, the song, of course, is released on Let It Be in May of 70. The Beatles didn't play this song on the rooftop of, Apple, of, uh, of the Apple Records building, uh, apparently at George's insistence, uh, but George did perform it live on his Dark Horse tour in 1974, and Paul and Ringo played it at the concert for George in 2002. So why do I have... For You Blue at 157. I've always had kind of a sweet spot for the song. The first time I heard the Let It Be album was at my friend Joseph's house. It was the only Beatles CD he had, so we listened to it constantly, and I just for some reason loved this song. Um, I've always been a fan of blues music, and though it's not the Beatles' bread and butter, there's a real charm on this track. I think it's one of those songs uh, that really seems to kind of capture the spirit of the band, uh, of the band mentality on Let It Be. Um, it feels completely at ease and laid back. It's like something that you would kind of sit around and just jam on with your musician friends in a circle. It feels like that's them actually doing that for a change. Um, George's vocal delivery is fantastically just kind of light and airy, uh, which kind of mirrors the lightness of the lyric, which I know some people give him flack for, because at this point he's writing, you know, songs like All Things Must Pass with these really heavy, heavy lyrics and concepts. So it's kind of nice to get a change of pace from him here, though especially after the last few albums where it was a lot of heavier and headier songs and topics. Um, the piano tone, you know, Paul's kind of little jankly little piano. Uh, that's one of my favorite sounds. I think it's just such a cool tone. Um, and it's great to see that even towards the end of the line for them on a song that doesn't have too much weight, they're still trying to play and explore new sounds and find new ways to make things different. Um, and they never used that particular sound before or again. So I think that's a really cool, cool sound. Um, and similarly with the lap steel from John, we always associate George uh, with the slide guitar. Um, and obviously that's a post Beatles thing for him. But it's really curious to me that John takes the slide part here because, uh, you know, lap steel is a thing that requires some precision. And John's not necessarily known for being a, uh, you know, a precise player. Um, but the looseness that he brings to it, I think, gives it a real charm that it wouldn't have had. Maybe had George done it or they brought in a, like a professional slide player. And I think that kind of enhances the back to basics warts and all vibe that they were looking for. I think it's one of the kind of this is kind of one of the most like easy to enjoy tracks in the catalog. It's just very um, carefree and kind of light. And I think it should get, you know, a lot more love than it usually does. I really, really do enjoy this track. Um, so that said, I toss it over to you guys. Who wants to take it first? 
Go on, Gary. Oh, okay. Well, um, I can compare my ranking as well. So I, I it came in at 176 for me, which isn't right. far off, is it? Um, so it's in the same kind of ballpark. Um, reverting back to a bit to the kind of the notes I made at the time, just just to kind of remember, although I've been listening to it a lot today, um, ready for this. Uh, I, I agree, it's a really lovely bit of rock and roll, a great melody from George, um, and very much fit in the, the Let It Be ethos. Um, I, 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 I missed the, the, the biggest problem for me is I missed the bass on it. I, I'm a bassist primarily as a musician myself. Mm-hmm. And I just, all I'd just love to have heard it if they just, just double tracked the bass, you know, if they'd just gone, look, I know we've got to do everything together because let it be and we're, we're jamming in, that's the idea. But couldn't they just have put a bass on it? <laughs> no. You read the thinking, vocal, just... like, read the yeah. bass part. Come on. So, yeah, I, I missed that a little bit because it just makes, like a lot of Let It Be, it always feels like there's, there's, there was an album that could have been, um, if they hadn't been so intent on that idea of it being all raw and kind of, you know. Um, so so when you're putting it in the grander scheme of the Beatles stuff, yeah, it's not as produced as well as, as it, because it's, it's meant to not be, mm. isn't it? It's meant to be rough, raw kind of, feeling but um but it shows that they can do it um they, they they like a lot of things when they decide to oh we'll just have a go at this kind of genre for a bit this shows that they could have they could have easily just been that band if they'd wanted to yeah oh having said that they didn't do it very often and, and although i can't remember it i don't i think the 12 bar blues that they do on the anthology is a, is a bit isn't great uh, but um 12 bar original yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, they're not a jam band. The Beatles were never a jam band. Right. Certainly not in the way that most, a lot of those blues-influenced bands were of the 60s, which obviously, like, of the English rock bands that came out of that blues scene. There was tons, and they could just sit in a room and play blues for hours and out. The Beatles couldn't do that, and any time you hear evidence of them trying to jam out, like, just jamming, it it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a little example of them getting a, a, an easy format like that and but like you say, I think the, the great thing about it is it's it's lightweight. It's almost you know, it's frothy, but there is new stuff on it. There is that prepared piano sound. There is John doing a slide thing. You know, there mm. is this this sort of almost sort of falsetto George voice on it as well. And and Ringo just being awesome. Ringo as usual, just going, I've picked the right groove and I'm just going to do it mm-hmm. and and just just keep them together because the piano that Paul's playing where he's doing the bass and this sort of octaves in the, uh, in the in the left hand of the piano to be the bass part without someone like Ringo really keeping you going that's the sort of thing where you can slip easily and, and lose your sort of your sort of pattern and your rolling sort of feel to it so yeah it's it's small and and, and cute and odd that you know, that piano sound is listen closely to the piano it's weird it's fizzy because they've stuck paper in the strings mm-hmm. like like sort of composers have been doing in classical music in the 20th century doing prepared piano and yet they do it for this little blues number it's it's fab yeah i mean i mean, just just to kind of get you sighing paul and probably everyone else oh. yeah <laughs> I, I find that the slide guitar is it's all fun and fun and interesting it's all fun and, and games I, until somebody so, loses an eye <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, but the, and the prepared piano, but I just think it it has a couple of repeats in it, and then that's that's the problem for me. After a while, like John has figured out one pattern on the slide guitar, and he he sticks to it. 
pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, he changes the shape, he changes where the, the, the fret it's on, and he sticks to his, his his thing. And it's good. He's 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 obviously it works. But yeah, it just once you've heard it a couple of times round, that's what you've you've got everything you're going to get from that song. Mm-hmm. So as on the wide on that when it came to my scoring of it, the reason it, it ended up where it did is because it doesn't go to a B section. It doesn't really have a chorus. It's 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 a one nice kind of verse idea that they just jam over. It's it's really nice, but it's it hits a certain level. It doesn't try to be more than that. That's fine, but um, it, it doesn't reach the dizzying heights of some of the other things. I, and it's interesting uh, the context of the fact that George was coming up with all the you know I'm in mine, which I I think is fantastic and. And other things, you know, that were going to end up in some of his solo stuff that was getting passed over, despite being just some some really complex and interesting uh, and advanced songwriting. That um, he kind of this is what he stuck with. I think was show as a musician who was finding the right thing for the right project. But I think he was, and he evidently was capable of of more at the time. But this is what they seem to want to have at the moment. You know, it's very sounds very clear that they were they were saying, "No, we don't really want to do big, big." Yeah complicated stuff we want to we want to jam like so back to basics and, yeah yeah that's actually a point that i have in my notes is like it's it's funny to me you talked about how he is a bit salty about feeling like the third fiddle mm-hmm. to in the beatles after going to visit with dylan and all those people and he comes back and he's like well they're telling me i'm great why don't my bandmates think i'm great and then he offers up this very like rudimentary song and he's like this is all you get like I, it's yeah. just like a funny juxtaposition of like, I have all these amazing things, but like, you're not gonna get them, right? <laughs> well, well, and he's he's putting them out there. And, or actually, he did and, say, "Here's all these," yeah. and then he pulls them back and just leaves them with like the most rudimentary, not these, you know, all things must pass. And I, he's, I love "I Me Mine." I think that's yeah. a great song. Well, and he's having um, such a hard time getting the other guys to kind of work with them on the songs for varieties of reasons and situations um and even even i mean mine you know john says you know this is a waltz we're a rock band we don't do that so the reason it gets recorded is while the other three are playing it john and yoko are waltzing around the studio and the director wanted to keep that in the film so then they had to go and actually cut a version of i mean mine so that's how you get that that song that's Mm, funny That's funny. Well, you know, thanks for being like smarmy about it, John, and like (laughs) trying to be a dick and like waltz around the studio because I like that song. I think it's a total jam. I love the lyrics and I'm I'm glad we got it. I mean, I'm sure it probably would have ended up on some of George's solo stuff. Oh, for sure. Because he knows it's good. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm glad it's in the world. Yeah. Thanks much, John. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like in the Peter Jackson documentary, how that comes across because... The John and Yoko waltzing bit's quite an iconic little sequence in that. So it'll be mm. interesting to see how that's contextually framed in the bigger Peter Jackson thing when it comes along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a bit rich as well. It's not like John didn't ever write anything in three, four, did he? he, he uh, <laughs> by that point he'd already got Lucy in Lucy in the Sky down, you know, he he was written and Mr. Kite and loads of stuff in kind that's of a um, psychedelic waltz, though. That's way different. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Am I correct in right. that John and Yoko, while by waltzing, are sort of mocking it? Or am I off base with that assumption? I would think that's probably part of it. But it's okay. also quite, quite a charming scene. Okay. In all fairness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say it's it's charming. Okay. Yeah. What I, yeah. One, one of the things I, I do yeah. find interesting. And it's about interesting the... that on. Okay. Sorry. 
I was going to say, it's it's interesting on this, though, as well. You think about the fact that uh, Billy Preston gets dragged into the project. And one of the greatest keyboard players they could have possibly got with them. And then they've got this, where he's not involved at all at any point. And mm-hmm. you've got Paul on the piano doing these weird stabby little moments, which is, you know, if they'd have got Billy Preston in on this, I think it'd have been too much. Yeah. What's the, uh, there's a version, uh, it's like the version of, um, of Blue Suede Shoes that's on Anthology that he's on. Mm. That's really cool. And then he does a, an organ solo that, like you said, it's it's kind of out of out of place a little bit. It's yeah, almost too yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's too good that's for what like, they're doing. We were doing our Ruttles special episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> we did, last week we did an episode rounding up because we always look at some of the Ruttles songs um, in the series one. We did a roundup episode. And one of the things from that was similar in that some of their pastiches, their guitarist was too good, really. Mm-hmm. So they, their early rock and roll versions of kind of, you know, uh, parodies of the Beatles were always given away a little bit by someone who was a bit too 70s rock. Yeah, Ollie, Ollie Halsell was such Halsell, a good yeah. guitarist that it's just... Yeah. It, but it makes the Ruttle sound be the Ruttle sound rather than the Beatles sound. It, yeah. But the, it doesn't work for the parody purposes because, you know, it's totally different style. Yeah, yeah. But like with this one, it, it is a bit like they've gone, let's all play something we don't normally play. Not that, it, apart from George, who's play, who's singing and playing guitar, but like John's, you know, Paul's doing piano. And although he does play piano, he doesn't, he's not a rock and, he's not primarily a rock and roll pianist, is he? He's, he's a ballad pianist and mm-hmm. and, with the, and and John doesn't play slide and lead very often. So it, it is like, yeah, you can hear the fun of them trying out different things. Um but then I just again I just I just sometimes wish there was we, we had a version of Let It Be that was um now let's all play what we normally play and with all the extra parts on it. Yeah, like a let's, bit of a bass, let's, let's do it the way it would that sound we would like do it. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just to know what it it may, may be that they were completely right and it would have been way too much if they'd done that and it wouldn't have it would have sounded overproduced and underdeveloped rather than well, it's a bit of a jam. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. So it's it's interesting. The whole Let It Be album has that feel to it. I remember, do you remember, Paul, the first thing our mum said when, I remember you, you playing it at, at our house growing up, and mum said, and this is the Beatles, because she'd never heard Let It Be as an album. She'd, she'd heard everything, every, everyone's heard the, the main ones, you know. Mm-hmm. And when there was things like um, Maggie May and, and, and this and stuff, she'd be like, this is, this is a Beatles record. She wasn't, because it is, it's a bit different, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit off kilter. It's a new phase yeah. Beatles album, and that what it said on the back mm. of it. <laughs> this is a new phase Beatles. Yes, album. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the, the phase being the end the of everything. End. <laughs> you know, Ooh. the final phase. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about this one, Julia? How do you feel on this? Um, it's fine. I, <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> I already touched on the point of like, it's interesting how he, you know, this is the song that he offers up. Um, I think the uh, rhythm and blues at the end is only uh, you laughed about that second in awkwardness to Ringo's rock on anybody. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. I did Why find that a you... weird little interjection yeah. at the end. Like very uncool. Like for, you know, a bunch of guys who were just the epitome of cool of everything. Yeah. He's just like rhythm and blues. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. No one were no one was like, Ooh. It's like it's tongue in cheek, but it's almost like huh. Okay, okay. Interesting. It's a choice. <laughs> You're the client, sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you like. You're the beetle. Um, I thought that was like a really weird way to wrap up the song. Um it's 
you know, it's a fine song. I don't, I don't love it. Enjoyable. Yeah, it's fine. I listened to it. Um, I don't know that I had heard it a whole bunch before. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds familiar. Like I know I've heard it before, but I can't. Like it's not one of those that I know all the words and it sticks with me. Um, it could just be because it's a blues song, and they're ninety-eight mm-hmm. percent the same. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, um, but I feel like I've heard it before. Probably I mean, not. you've made me listen to the Beatles Serious Channel enough sure. to where I probably, <laughs> probably heard, heard the song. Um, yeah, I don't really have strong feelings one way or another about it. Like, it's perfectly enjoyable. It's yeah. like middle of the road, landing in the middle of your list. Just like, I don't hate it. I don't think I love it. It's fine. I'll listen to it. If I remember the words, I'll sing along to it. Rhythm and blues. <laughs> Wrap it up. Let's go. Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I really just don't have a whole. Yeah, lot of the words. I, th- I think the words is an interesting thing. Yeah, it's so uh, weird. Uh, there's always yeah. kind of that interesting, like uh, that interesting idea of like him doing the whole like "Go Johnny Go" thing, where you know, mm. for all intents and purposes, John has already kind of turned in his notice by the time he records that in January '70. Um, you know, there's some very tongue in cheekness to that. Uh, that uh, it almost is. So, it's not like a bitter sound, like a bitter tone, but it's a very kind of dour tongue in cheek, like morose humor. You know, like gallows humor type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a funny one for those little interjections between what is a, a very very simple lyric. Otherwise, in fact, probably I don't know. Is it the simplest lyric that was ever on a Beatles record? Really. Because you're sweet and lovely, I love you. It's 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 on par with "Love Me Do" when you when you bring it to that point. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know um, I love you. I'll always be true. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's a, it's an odd one. It's the Beatles that never. Yeah, it's that thing of them doing that blues. They're writing in a genre. George is having a little bit of a joke somewhere along the the line. And yet, and yet, it's just. I think they've always carried with enough charm to make it a, a sweet Beatles thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Odd though it is, um, yeah, it's hmm, yeah, it's yeah. You can think about all these other songs are these huge sort of like prayers to God, you know, to help him deal with his own ego, help him deal with the the world around him, help him deal with materialism, and then this is this is just yeah, cheeky little love song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting also that like they don't do a, a whole lot of blues. And the one time they do, aside from your blues, which is also like kind of tongue in cheek, um, yeah. but, but when they do do like a full on blues song, um, where they kind of hit all the cliches of it, it's somehow like lighthearted and positive and happy, which is the complete yeah. antithesis of blues, uh, lyrically and That's musically. Really like yeah. it's a up tempo yeah. happy blues, which is so bizarre and weird. Yeah, it's like, the blues, man. <laughs> Like, like it, it should <laughs> yeah. just make you feel something like intense and emotional and painful. Yeah. But, oh man, what? The, the central message is basically, I've got the blues because I love you so much and you love me too. It's not. It's kind of like oh boo hoo. <laughs> it's not. It's not the blues. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Um. It's not traditional kind of a, a fodder, is it for, yeah. for for blues music? And also the idea that they're going back because Let It Be project. You know, we're going back to something, but they never did blues so they thought they were going back to something they'd never done you know Uh, so maybe that's why you're struggling to find the the because they 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 always were happy to go looking at the beginning so Mm -hmm. if they were 
harking back to how they started off. They started off very much, she loves you, love me do, like you say, you know, it's, um, and it's it's got those kind of words. And you pointed out this morning yeah. that this reminded you of some of the skiffle stuff that you've heard. Yeah. It just... almost would have been interesting to hear them, like, do this as a skiffle type arrangement to, like, if you want to really go back to your roots, like, Go back to what you know the quarry men were doing. Get the washboard. Get the walk. Yeah, get the washboard out. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounded to me like a like a like a super old guitar, like a cigar box guitar or something like that. Like mm. not something that was built yeah. for tone, like a modern guitar, but just something that was just function to like keep a yeah. a not a beat, but a rhythm. A rhythm. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. a much better word. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, like that's just sort of what it sounded like to me, and I guess that goes back into it being like a blues song and all that, and that's a very old genre of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just like it, it's just not super landing for me. Okay, I think maybe like what you touch on is it's such a positive song attached to a genre of music that is not generally positive yeah. is maybe why it feels weird to me. Like it's too chipper. I'm going to start writing positive blues songs. <laughs> woke up this yeah. morning. It was cool. I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> the sun was shining. My, I had money in my checking account. Things were good. My wife's still here. I still own my soul. That's awesome. <laughs> I hear so normally to round this off i would i would say how do we feel about having this song at number 157 but i know you have it at at 176. So. <laughs> yeah. so I don't know so how that's to for me. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Paul, well, I don't know about Paul. Yeah, but Paul, for where me, would you put it? Where would you put it? I think it's probably somewhere in, in this region. I think my problem with it that is hard to get over is why is George's acoustic guitar cut out of it in the original version? It's because this beautiful little twiddly intro and all that. And then and it gets to the actual thing, and Spectre has just cut out. The, that acoustic guitar for the rest of it. So all the little runs he's doing, the little blues runs, you know, all the things you'd expect, those little guitar tricks, are gone. Yeah. But they've reinstated it in the new mix, I noticed. Yep. In the, well, the Glyn, the Glyn, the Glyn John's, John's mix has, has got it in, and they put it back and let it be naked as well. Right. Which, uh, you know, is, is odd. But why is it cut out? Because it's, it's it doesn't harm the sound at all, and if anything, makes it a bit more genre authentic. Mm-hmm. So that's so it's, that's a strange a strange point in it, really. But it's I think it would end up in sort of much the same area for me in in, in terms of a, a full chart. Yeah, I suspect I don't I don't really have a problem with where this one's landed in our chart. I like it. Do do either of you have a preferred? Uh, and this is probably too early to ask. Uh, a preferred method of let it be do you like the original naked uh what you're hearing from the new one what you're hearing from the glenn johns one so glenn I, john's not... ones oh that's very uh, very awash with reverb what we've heard so far mm-hmm. which is a bit weird and spacey sounding um i like the original that's that's my one yeah yeah i i mean i i um only kind of dipped into let it be naked when these songs were coming up in the in the podcast so 
because we do it in rand we you know we did series one in random order so they'd come out you could have a let it be song then you could have a you know a with the beatles song it did, we, we kept it random so every now and again one would come out and if it was one with where Paul had mentioned in, in our kind of pre-show notes that it was going to be dis it's distinctively different. It's worth having a listen. I'd go and dive into it. I uh, I'm not as um, bothered by the over-the-top Spectre production. Mm -hmm. I, I I think I I know some people are, and that's why especially Paul McCartney. <laughs> but that, then that's why Let It Be Naked exists. I don't mind it really. So I I guess the original for me. I'd okay. say. I do like listening. It's interesting that, that it's, it's great to have the naked version to compare it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to see one, what was in it. It's one of those things where I don't think I have a preference at this point. I just like having it all available because some yeah. days you just mm. want to hear a different version. I don't, man, maybe I wouldn't if I didn't know it existed, but uh, I like mm. having it all. So, yeah. yeah, that's it. Nothing's there to replace anything else. Yes. You know, it's in a, it's in a, it's yeah. something else to, to listen to. It's, uh, I think sometimes the uh, the reissues and the remixes get stick because it's like, oh, they've done a new version. Well, it's not. It's in it is a new version, but it's not. They're not getting rid of the old one. It's not yeah, going right. anywhere. You're all right. <laughs> Before we wrap up for the day, can we do a few rapid fire questions? Oh yeah, Ooh. We'll, we'll that was the best reaction I've ever seen <laughs> to the rapid fire question. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Uh, so I pose. You can't it. be surprised. You know these <laughs> you know every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll throw it to to Paul first. Uh, your favorite Beatles song? Uh, I was thinking about this. I mean, in overall terms, it's always in my life, which as you know, it's sort of almost unassailable in terms of its power. But in terms of the mood I've been in recently, and I think possibly because I spent quite a lot of this weekend walking around near where I live doing various things to try, try to find a house and stuff like that and being out and about and stuff uh, it's Penny Lane because I've been around Penny Lane a lot this weekend and it's been quite nice and sunny so it always seems to fit so I've always loved Penny Lane as a song and because I live very very close to Penny Lane the area and, and the actual road itself um, Lovely. and I've spent quite a lot of it outside that'll be my favorite Beatles song today Love it. That's, oh, I love that. that's the best way to answer that usually today. <laughs> the day we went to today. the day we went to Penny Lane, it was so oh, cold. It was, miserably cold. It was <laughs> painfully cold. Like I just remember like to the bone, just chilled to the bone. But it was wonderful. I like yes. neither of us cared because we were like we took pictures next to the little sign and like we, you know, saw the little places and it was cute. It was lovely. But we were frozen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what time of the year was that? December? It was December, yeah. Oh, well, that's fair yeah. enough. Early December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. July. Yeah. <laughs> it's still cold. Oh, I remember because we we bypassed doing, like, the bus tour and just, like, came up with our own itinerary and just called, like, an Uber everywhere. And waiting yeah. for an Uber in front of the church that was there for, like, felt like 15 minutes and just, like, freezing <laughs> and shivering because <laughs> we like walked around and seen everything I was like well now we just wait for the car yes it's so cold it's so cold <laughs> uh gary your favorite beatles song okay so after 43 episodes of figuring it out i can quite unequivocally say it's a day in the life and you feel that Which is I, scientifically unassailable you agree with that yeah that that's that that is yeah, that is entirely empirical you cannot argue with that <laughs> no it's <laughs> I, I, I kind of th always thought that would be. That was always not just my favorite Beatles song, but my favorite song of 
of all time. Yeah. So I was, I, I was terrified knowing that knowing you, obviously, Gary, we have met. Um, <laughs> knowing that you love that song so much, I was terrified that it was going to come out really early in the random pick. Yeah. And it didn't. It didn't come out till the 32nd episode, I think. Nice. Yeah, which was, and it's like, oh, thank heavens for that. Because if it had come out earlier, knowing that, knowing how much you love it, I think I would have been always really annoyed. Yeah, it would have been sat yeah. there, and every week would have gone. Has anything changed at the top of the chart? No, no. <laughs> oh, that would be super frustrating. No, it was I good. I feel like also you could have just not done it and no one would the know. random pick. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, 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 Shock, I was, horror. <laughs> yeah, I was a slave to my own rules. I wouldn't. I, we wouldn't even look ahead until the end of, we'd record an episode and then we would look ahead at the next week's for our notes. But we, I, they were all hidden behind a filter in Excel. The random pick had been generated and then hidden so I couldn't see it. And then I'd just reveal the next five. So I didn't know, we didn't know when it was going to come out. You're so really good at Excel. Yeah, really. <laughs> that's really cool. I'm just trying to learn how to do a that's what, that's what I do. I'm terrible at that. Um, uh, I'm all I'm all over it. Well, I'm calling you next time I have a problem with Excel. <laughs> uh, your least favorite Beatles song. Ooh. So do you, shall I go whilst I'm you go first. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, you take this one. So again, according to science, it's um Maggie May. But then that, you know, that goes fits into the covers category. Um and just because it's so slight, I mean, as this is again being doing it all based on scoring, it's just the slightest and most throwaway thing they ever did for mm-hmm. me. Um, and it's not even theirs. If I was to go to one that um, they actually did, that was one of theirs, it would be Dig It. Um, just again, it's it's a bit it's a bit throwaway. It's 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 just a step up from a bit of studio banter, really, with some instruments on it. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't dislike, it and I'm glad it's there, and I like, I like it as a piece of ephemera, a bit of something that happened in their story. But it's song-wise, it's you know they could, they could do better in five minutes, you know. Sure. So yeah, yeah. Insert that's, clip so of Kyle screaming, "Dig it! <laughs> Dig it's amazing!" <laughs> uh, Paul, how about you? I think I'd probably agree with Dig It. Only uh, again, yeah, missed opportunity. That could, that song could have gone anywhere from the jams that they did and the various types of things. Yeah. And I like I like a weird mantra mm-hmm. as much as the next man. But it, 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 it somehow the bit that they end up selecting to become the song is a bit too jokey and a bit too nothing. Um, it it's there and then it's gone. So it's it's just a shame. Feels like it's a missed opportunity for something that could have been better. Yeah, I can see that. Um, favorite Beatles album? I'll go for that one then. And I will say, I had a good think about this because you tend to sort of focus in on the core catalog, but really I think the one that's brought me so much joy is Live at the BBC. Mm, Yeah. Volume one, because Mm. that was like the first big thing to come out new, you know, again in air quotes, new in Beatles land during my lifetime. Yeah. You know, I'd, you know, I hadn't started buying CDs because I didn't have a CD player. I got this the year, the Christmas I got a CD player. My first CD was the uh, Live at the BBC. And the fact that it's got all the speech in it and you get to feel the band as a band and the fun and the jokes and the, the personalities and, and also the fact that it reveals all this, this side of the Beatles that a lot of people didn't know, that they played a lot of songs beyond just what you hear on the albums. They come from a, you know, from Hamburg. They come from the, from the places in Liverpool and around the country where they're playing really long sets Mm -hmm. made up of everything. And you get some of that here. 
that they're making all these records. They're becoming the most famous people on the planet. And they're doing all this stuff at the BBC. And they know all this material and it's in their head. Mm. And there's their stuff as, as well. And they're being funny. And it's it sounds great. And it, you can quote along with the entire thing. You can sing along, you can quote along. Mm-hmm. And it's still the thing. When uh, It's also, I think, probably if I ask my partner Lorraine what her favourite Beatles album is, I suspect that might be hers as well. So literally, if we ever drive down to, say, visit Gary in the car, it's always live at the BBC. So we can both sing along and quote along as we go down. So I, I'm going for that. Lovely. That's awesome. Is that the record where he says that bit about, like, the the people in front? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, no. no. That's um at the uh, the Royal... The, uh, Royal Variety, Royal performance. Variety performance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always thought that was. People in the cheaper seats clap your hands. Yeah. And the rest of you just rattle your jewelry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. It is on the anthology though, so that's okay. probably where. Because you put that on like a mix CD you made me when we were dating, and I just uh, thought that was the funniest thing. Like clever. just so clever mm-hmm. and biting, and that I think that was my first glimpse into like John's humor mm-hmm. of like, yeah, the things that he says and does. Nice. And I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary, how about you? Yeah, so mine um, is Sergeant Pepper's. Um, I'm not going to... It From all the average scores. So, I mean, so when, <laughs> the thing is with with all that starts doing all the songs, you can then extra, um, extricate from that all of the uh, albums. But the, So I don't agree with it because albums are bigger than the sum of the songs on them. I don't disagree with that from my own chart. Looking at it, it's like absolutely fine. I mean, it's definitely the album that, um, you know, I'd, I'd aspire, aspire to as much as, as, you know, if I could write anything even approaching, the, 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 you know, uh, the songs on that album and also the kind of through line between them, um, then, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, Sergeant Pepper's for me, no no question. Although I do love oh. um, I do love the Beatles White Album, and even though that only came fifth in my album chart, because I think because of its sheer volume, I love the outpouring, the absolute outpouring of like they just like they they couldn't record it fast enough. There's mm-hmm. so much material; it was yeah. just so productive at the time. And I, I write a lot of songs, and that's always something that's, that's I thought, God, that, that must have been a brilliant time for them creatively. Just they could, you could just tell that they couldn't. It just it was just coming, coming out, out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's 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 my second favorite in a kind of a, for different reasons, less real, less less realized as a whole package, but brilliant for just kind of um, eclecticness and, and you know. So, yeah. But yeah, Sergeant Pepper's Sergeant Pepper's tops it. Wonderful. Um, all right, the big one. Your favorite memory associated with a Beatles song or a Beatles thing or a Beatles album, anything Beatle related. Your favorite memory. Paul, have you, do you want me to go first? Do you, want you to... go first, Gary. I'll go first. You've got the worst uh, memory, so uh, you probably need longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I, well, there's a few. It's hard to choose. Um, I'll, the, the, I think the one I'll say is when um, is Blackbird. When I left school, um, my last year at our high school, uh, when you're kind of 16, 17, before you go to college, I don't know what the, if it's the same equivalent, but um, we had a, a leaving concert, and because I was doing music at, GC, at, at, at for my exams, one of the things I had to do was a performance piece, and because I'm a bassist, I couldn't do a, a classical thing, I had to do something else, so I, I was um, 
opted to sing Blackbird at my at my school's Leavers concert, where the parents piled in. There were some speeches. You know, the orchestra played something because there was like the school orchestra, and I was going to be singing Blackbird as people were coming into the the school hall. Mm-hmm. I was told, oh, they'll just be it'll just be at the beginning when people are filing in. It's not going to be. You know, everyone's not going to be sat down. But as it turned out, everyone everyone was in the hall. So everyone in my year, my all my everyone, <laughs> my entire who I've been to school with for five years, and all of their parents, all sat down. And it was like, and now Gary Abbott's going to sing Blackbird. <laughs> and I was told it. I was like, because I, I don't really want to do it because I needed to do a live performance to have it recorded for my exam piece kind of thing. Um, and I'm not. I, I, I sing and I, I I still sing now, but it's never been my most confident part of my. <laughs> my kind of a, my wheelhouse of things I do and yeah and I got through it and it was ner- it was the most nervous thing I've ever done you know most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done with all my peers and all everyone I've been to school with there uh and my voice was a little bit wobbly because I was a bit nervous but I, I got through it and I was doing it with a, with a, someone who was playing the guitar he was also doing their exam piece he was a couple of years older doing it for their their, their a-levels and um afterwards some of the kind of, I suppose you'd call them jocks, but kind of meatheads, we call mm. them bullies or whatever. Some of the, some of the bigger guy kind of guys were coming up going, that was beautiful. That was beautiful, that one, mate. Oh, <laughs> and they I were genuinely it. like, I was thinking I was gonna, they were going to punch me. Right. Uh, coming up kind of like going, that was really good. I really found that really emotional. And quite a few people I've spoken to, um, it's several years later when I bumped into people who said, "Oh, I remember that because it was it was such a fitting song because it was sp- spread your wings and learn to fly." We were leaving, we were mm-hmm. going, we were done, we were finished. That you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's and yeah, so the connection to that song and that hall and me and Paul had played a lot of Beatles music in that in that school. We, yeah. we were in a covers. So uh, yeah, that was that's a that's a good memory for me. That's um, that's awesome. That's I th- wonderful. Also, I have to wonder. Uh, to some extent, did the jocks realize, like, oh, man, all the girls really were looking at him <laughs> with wide eyes when he did that. We should be cool to him <laughs> so we don't make enemies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, it was a, it was just about, I think, we were just getting to the age where, you know, people were growing up a little bit. Because it wasn't cool to like the Beatles in my – I mean, I'm the same age as you. I've just gone 40. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I think we're all around the same age. Yep. And um, – yeah, at the time, it wasn't cool to like the Beatles. And then towards that time, just as before I started, I was leaving, things like Real Love and Free as a Bird came out and it became a bit, people were starting to kind of go, oh no, I've always liked the Beatles. People, right. The same people who would like, <laughs> didn't didn't pay you any attention. So yeah, I think it, it came at a good time. For that. Yeah, Lovely. Fantastic. That's a great one. <laughs> and Paul, how about you? Well, I think I'll do something not dissimilar. So Gary mentioned there that we, at one point we were in a Beatles covers band, and this, this, this is thanks to our school. So I shocked I shocked our mother recently by saying I didn't really enjoy being at school because um, I've always been, you know, okay at stuff. I got good grades and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't have a particularly great time at high school. But we had a really good music department who were really supportive, and we did lots of stuff with music and drama. And, and at one point we were in a pit band with some teachers, as well so you were playing bass weren't you gary i was doing some guitars and keyboards things and afterwards they 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 knew that i was the lad who liked the beatles you know the one who'd got the complete rock scores book and and (laughs) that stuff like that and i'd never been able to start a band with people because i couldn't get enough people interested and you know and then suddenly it's like 
oh, should we do a Beatles covers band between the teachers who played in music and and us two? And suddenly I've gone from nothing to then playing like sort of two 45 minute sets and selling out the school hall for like charity <laughs> events, oh doing gosh. Beatles stuff. So the first so the first time we did that, you know, as I was I'd say I was 17, maybe, which means that you were only 14. Gary, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like playing the piano parts and swapping to guitar for things and doing most of the lead vocals and stuff. And and that was thanks to the Beatles. It was also thanks to sort of some brilliant teachers and things like that in, in the music department and being able to sort of fulfill what I'd always known I'd wanted to do, which was at some point get up and play Beatles songs and mm-hmm. play them and, and enjoy them and do it. And, and, and people loving it and just, yeah. you know, I'm sure looking back now and there's videos of it so that it does exist. The evidence is there. I'm sure it's very rough and ready and I'll probably be really annoyed with the idea that I didn't do enough practice and didn't look up enough how the piano should actually go and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. that I would do that I would do now but it was yeah I think I'll choose that as, as a thing that it, it was a big significant moment in in my life to be to have that opportunity thanks to the music of the Beatles and and have to have my brother with me doing it as well and without getting too in depth there was also a time in our in our lives uh, where things are happening at home with our family and it, this was a, a a brilliant thing to have to do mm-hmm. to concentrate to have something that you loved as much as Beatles music mm-hmm. as as your focus so mm-hmm. yeah doing that doing that first at Blythe High Beatles because yeah. that was our we were in the Bly, Blythe Ridge High School and so it was Blythe High Beatles and with a couple of teachers it was great I love it that's fantastic and like don't you find most often that doing things that bring other people joy you receive as much from it so like mm-hmm. i would imagine y'all up there having so much fun playing these songs that you absolutely love and looking out into wherever you're playing you know and seeing the smiles on everyone's faces and they're dancing and enjoying and singing along and you just like it's just this energy this joy passed back and forth from you to the crowd like you yeah. can't beat that. You can't beat that feeling yeah. of. I mean, I've only been yeah. on the crowd side of it because I am not a musician. But it's just that, you know. And I, I think that's what's been so hard for the past year and a half mm-hmm. for so many musicians is not having mm-hmm. that energy Definitely. transfer. Like, yeah, you can play songs to your computer and have people see it over the internet but there's not that just like transfer back and forth of like you seeing them smiling and singing along and it's just you just feel it yeah, yeah it's lovely it. and I, I, especially i'm i'm still quite shy i'm you know it, i'm very shy in fact but doing music it's like a whole other thing once you step up on that say i'm with my current band good grief we've got our first gig since like December 2019 I think coming up in a couple of weeks it's like I can't wait for that you know it'll be it'll be half an hour long the set and that'll that'll be enough but that'll feel like just such a nice feeling Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's just it's just wonderful to be to be in that position it's so nice to get back out there and get to to play and I I think and one of the things that I found a lot of people seem to have a similar story uh, with the Beatles I know I certainly do is there always seems to come a point in time where you desperately need something to like be that comfort for you. And somehow mm-hmm. the Beatles music just kind of finds that space and inserts itself at the time when like you need it to be there for you. Like, I know like you were saying like for, you know, when, when you were younger, there was, you know, it was just, it was a good timing for that. Uh, it was, you know, for me, 
a couple years ago when my original band folded, um, all I had was this Beatles cover band that I play with, and I didn't even want to play music for a while, but getting up there and actually playing those songs and really like diving into it made me so happy to be able to have that experience to like play those songs and find joy again in playing music because I was playing music that I love so much. Um, and I think yeah. that's a really unique um, thing that that music just seems to find a way to do that for people. Uh, how many people that we've talked to on the show that have said, Oh, you know, listening to, you know, you know, this Paul McCartney show, like saved my life and stuff like that. You know, they feel like we hear those stories a lot. Um, and I'm always kind of just blown away at like the consistency with which we hear those kind of things is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. It's just, you can intellectualize it and do spreadsheets all you like, but at the end of the day, it's that it's the way that the music seeps right in without you without knowing how or why it's, it's, is an extraordinary thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Ooh, man. So, Big Beatles sort out. Season one is done. You've ranked the whole yeah. shebang. Now, y'all, your list was two thirteen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. season two. What are we looking for? When's it coming out? What can we expect? Yeah. So we've we've done a couple of specials in the interim. So we've had the Ruttles special, and we've had oh, the flip the side of Yellow Submarine. So oh yeah, we, we did sure the we George, Martin, the, yeah. George Martin stuff. Uh, but series two is definitely going to be a first few episodes are going to be anthology because we didn't put them in our court catalogue. Mm-hmm. So, which I think you've, if you put some in yours, I think we have longer than ours. Yeah, yeah. we're at 223. So we included um, the anthology songs um, and songs on the anthology that were prepared for release, but not released. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to cover. Paul's, Paul's curated the list because he's the expert. But um, it's going to be the selection, not everything off the anthology, obviously, just the kind of distinct um, ones that we could really get stuck into. Yeah. Uh, and then there's going to be the songs written for other acts. Ooh. So the McCartney, Har- uh, McCartney Harrison, Lennon McCartney songs that um, that they, they wrote for other people. So I'm really looking forward to that because I don't think I know a lot of them. I know some. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a good 20 of, of them. Mm-hmm. I think so, there are lists. Yeah, the list kept getting longer as I did more and more research uh, just to make sure I covered everything. So people better get used to a lot of Billy J. Kramer and Silla Black. <laughs> <laughs> well, even um, Misery was written for, um, oh, what's her name? That's Helen Shapiro. Oh, Shapiro. And- yeah, and yeah. I believe it start. They started writing it backstage at the King's Hall in Stoke-on-Trent, yeah. which is where, which is where, where, where Gary, I live. Gary, yeah. Gary so, lives. So my city's claim to fame with the Beatles is they wrote the song "Misery" here, which uh, <laughs> is not. Yep. If you, I don't know if, if, How if are you heard enjoying Stoke, Stoke and... John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I just sort of say I love Stoke and Trent, and you should definitely come and visit if you're in England. But it has a reputation sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Paul told me that fact on the podcast, I was like, "Oh, blimey!" I had to be misery, didn't it? Um, so funny. Yeah. Uh, so, is there a uh, an ETA for when the new episodes will come out? Uh, you just released starting... the Ruddles one this past week. I yeah, but that'll be a few weeks removed once we post this. Yeah. So we we. We've just had a, a kind of break over summer from finishing series one. Um, we've in, taken our time with that, um, done a couple of specials. So pretty much I'm hoping that we're going to start on recording over the next few weeks to, and build up. A, we'd like to just get ourselves a bit of a buffer. So we'll probably do a, two or 
couple of two or three weeks of recording and then start to release. Uh, so Probably mid, mid mid November. What will that be? Mid November, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're hoping it will early early be, mid. Yeah, it should take us to. I'm, 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 probably will incorporate the films as well. I'd like to do an episode for each film and I'd like to put them in their own little chart. And there's going to be a little bit of keeping their own little chart and doing scores and things so that it's got that 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 through line to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully it'll keep us going through um, winter and into um, into spring, maybe. Lovely. Yeah, probably will. Yeah, and then um, we'll see after that. I don't know what where we'll go if, with the season three. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's just nice... Whilst we still there's still things to listen to and talk about and explore, just, I'd do it all again. I'd just start from the beginning and do the whole catalogue again. But I don't think anyone would want to hear it. But, do, you, um, do you want to yeah. take my place on making the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> there has been discussion and su- suggestion of having Julia do her own separate ranking and then reapproaching it all. Although I do think if we did that, we would have to kind of handle it in kind of groups the way y'all do it oh my god i'm not signing on for five more years of this there's no way i'm not doing this until i die i mean as long as we keep getting delayed by natural disaster we may well be oh my goodness oh Oh my goodness goodness. well i did try and do my own ranking and i lasted about 15 minutes and i was like i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) it was a valiant effort i appreciate it i think i got like 10 songs in and i was like I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, where can uh, where can everybody check out everything Big Beetle Sort Out related? Obviously, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, but what are your socials? Uh, so it's Big underscore Sort on Twitter and Instagram are the main ones. In fact, they're the only ones. So yeah, <laughs> those are the ones. Then. Yeah, Big Big underscore Sort. Um, you'll find us at and uh, yeah, and we're on um, all the usual platforms. I think we we. we host with anchor and they put us on everything and so yeah excellent and i know also the two of you are also musicians uh where can our listeners check out your music if they're looking for that as well uh, if anyone likes uh stuff that sounds basically like the 90s as in super chunk or um stuff like that my band good grief is basically good grief liverpool uh at band camp okay. so good grief liverpool.bandcamp.com we've got a our first long, long-awaited um, album should be coming out at the start of, of uh, next year. Exciting uh, for fans of for fans of Superchunk, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love a good, like, a specifically, like, a very identifiable reference. Like, if you yeah. like this, you're gonna like us. Just yeah. get on board. You're fine. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And Gary, how about you? Uh, yeah. So um, I do quite a few different things probably easiest to check out um, my website uh, garyabbott.co.uk which is two r's and gary two b's and two t's and abbott which isn't very easy to remember but if you search for me my name and music or writing i've got some books i've written out and i have um music on spotify that i've been releasing and various different guises of bands and projects i've done so yeah i try and put them all i think i've got all the links on garyabbott.co.uk and um, and on my Twitter, um, which is just Gary underscore Abbott. So wonderful. Find, find Y'all are on. busy. I know. Goodness. How do you find <laughs> the time? The place. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this has been uh, super duper fun. I can't thank you enough for doing this. And uh, you know, it's it's super fun to to meet people doing you know similar uh, similar 
crazy things because <laughs> this yeah. is definitely not something that you know most people would do absolutely so, not <laughs> birds of a feather it's nice to meet other birds as they yeah are. i'm really yeah. interested to see how your chart um turns out and to have a, a really good look um, comparison of them to yeah. you know when you when it's when it's all available for us to see well, in a, in, in a long while, it'll, it'll all be <laughs> I'm also well, really glad that we can all be friends and not have to, like, cage match to the death to see you. <laughs> well, have you, I, I, I would assume that uh, oh, y'all no. listen to the Blotto Beatles podcast. That's actually not one I've listened to. There's, there's, there's so many. There's and there's so, so many. Uh, and it's uh, luckily, as far as I'm aware, most people who are doing them are all lovely, lovely people yes. who are <laughs> all... really encouraging. So I'm sure I'll get round to all, hopefully a lot of these these things. So there's it's it's three friends uh, up in northern Massachusetts um, who are doing it. And the premise for theirs is they do it while also drinking heavily. Uh, and there's mm. always like a magical mystery word that if someone says the word, everyone has to do a shot. Um, and so I think we both. Ranking the Beatles and Blotto Beatles released our first episodes like within like a week of each other. And mm. they reached out and they're like, hey, we noticed you doing this too. What if we did like a fake like beef between our two podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> you trying to manufacture a blue and oasis. Yes. <laughs> the, the battle of the, the Beatles podcast. Uh, so we, ended up, we didn't do that, but we did end up uh, going on each other's shows and just kind of becoming friends. Uh, but they're doing a very similar thing, and they slot songs in uh, kind of wherever they decide it ends up is where it goes. So they're just kind of filling the list in throughout as yeah, opposed so you, to yeah. in, in, in order. Um, so it, it's fun. It's just like it's we're all kind of doing the same thing, just, you know, coming mm. from different angles. So it's very, very fun, though. But an absolute yeah. pleasure, guys. I, I can't thank you all enough for coming on. Thanks for being flexible with our schedule as well. So. Oh, thank you very much for having fun. us. We really, yeah. really enjoyed it. And we've got 156 yeah, like more songs, so we'll have you all back to do it again <laughs> once we get a little bit further in. Yeah, be happy to. Yeah, that'd be great. Wonderful. How about it, everybody? Gary and Paul from the Big Beatles Sort Out. Good times. Always. Always good. I love getting to know all these other Beatle podcasters uh, that we've kind of entered the realm with. Uh, it's like this nice little... Uh, Nice little family that we've got here. It's like a squad. I we love have a squad. it. I love it. In the upcoming uh, edition 12 of the Teetles magazine, uh, I have submitted and written a piece that will appear in this, uh, in this edition that I'm very excited about. Oh. Talking about how happy I am that we've ended up in this uh, squad posse <laughs> of, uh, of Beatle people that we have. I love uh, it. So, yeah, I'm very uh, excited to see that. In that beautiful magazine. I didn't even know that was happening. You didn't, did you? I kept it secret. Aww. It's on the hush Breaking hush. news. Breaking news, folks. <laughs> uh, I believe it's going to be going up for sale soon. So if you are not a regular subscriber to the Teetles uh, fanzine, highly recommend it. Fix it. Highly recommend it. Uh, if you're not a regular subscriber to the Big Beetle Sword Out, highly recommend it. Fix it. Fix it. If you're not a regular <laughs> subscriber to Ranking the Beatles, fix it. Fix it. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If this is your first time here, please leave us a, uh, a five-star review on your podcast provider of, uh, of choice or however many their maximum stars are, uh, if they let you even do that at all. Some of them are just like, no, nah, it's fine. Um, you can just say nice things about us. Say nice things about us. That actually means a lot. We appreciate nice things being said about us. Uh, tell a friend or two about us. 
If you're not following us on our socials, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Ranking the Beatles. And you can follow us on Twitter at Ranking Beatles. And you can follow us on Instagram at Ranking the Beatles. That's right. So be sure you're following along for all the fun activities. It tends to be different content on different social platforms. Mm. So make sure you're checking them all for all the goods. Anywho, friends, it's been a lot of fun this week. Uh, hope you're all well. We will see you back with a brand new episode next week. So until then, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. And this has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all. <laughs>